I haven't. I've I've been really bad at checking Google because I don't know if I'm legally allowed to sing yet. But I'm going to check. I'm going to check Google this week. I promise. Uh, I just don't know. So, for the, if you don't know, uh, podcasts. I don't know what the copyright is with them. But if I sing "Goodbye Mellow Brick Road" in the the tune of Elton John's "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road," I could be sued for that, and I'm not sure how it works. But I will Google it. I know I said that three weeks ago. I will Google it this time. Um, it looks like somebody's Googling it now. I am. I am. I Googled, can you sing on podcasts? And all I got is a bunch of results for vocal lessons, because apparently they think I'm asking if I can sing. That's another thing, too. Like, I saw The Greatest Showman recently, starring Hugh Jackman, and the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I just wish I could sing. Like that's if I just can't I can't sing and if I could choose any talent it'd be to sing I wish I could do it so badly. I mean anybody can sing just not anybody can sing well. It's like what Buddy the Elf says it's just moving your voice up and down. <laughs> For those of you listening and you hear that voice of somebody who can sing, that is the non-aforementioned non-titular Jamie Sousa. Jamie, thank you for being on this emergency podcast thanks for having me dave it's uh we have decided actually before we get into the topic i so today is the first round of nfl playoff games and since the patriots aren't playing in the wild card because they are better than that i decided to wear a lions t-shirt even though they're not in the playoffs either but i only have the lions and the patriots because i like the, the lions color scheme it's a very nice blue it's a very nice shade of blue it's my favorite color but it's not a color that looks good on me. And have you ever come across this where your favorite color doesn't look good on you? How do you deal with this? Um, my favorite color is black. I think that black looks good on just about anybody. So I haven't really come across that. But I mean, maybe you can just like wear a jacket over your favorite shirt. And then like you'll know you're wearing it. But like the jacket will be a color that like works with your complexion more. Okay, so I also don't know why you're asking me for fashion advice. Well, I, I'm, I'm. If, if you're clueless, you're just as clueless as me. And it works, so yeah. My dear friend I mean, Joe Cicero, his favorite color is black. So it's a good color to have as a favorite <laughs> color because it matches like literally everything. Is that the one that reflects all colors, or is that white? I think. It's- I could definitely be wrong on this. I think that black is like the absence of all colors and white is like all the colors mixed together. Okay. See, when I, when we were in back in art class, I would mix colors together and it would come out like brown. You, yeah. you must have to get every single color, I would think. Yeah. I don't know. I could have that backwards. Hopefully you have some like art fans. If you're an art like- fan out there listening to Goodbye Mellowbrook Road, please, please, please. Do not hesitate to email me. I don't think I... All right, so I don't have an email address for this podcast, but you can email me at... You know, we'll just... We'll just say... How about you don't email me? I don't know if I should give out my email. Should I give out my email? I don't think anyone really listens who would, like, try to kill me. But on the off chance, just tweet at me. At Dave is Mello. That is... It's a good Twitter handle. Do you want to plug your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Jamie Souza. But um, my parents don't like me, so they spelled my name J-A-Y-M-I-S-O-U-Z-A. It's quite the name. It is. None of it's spelled right. No, it's not. (laughs) So my full name is actually Jamie Lynn. It's spelled J-A-Y-M-I hyphen capital L-Y-N. There's something in my name that's not even a letter. That's true. Like, you'd be fucked on, like, Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him about the story the time that um, you wrote a story for NaNoWriMo and you tried to tell me that it wasn't about me and it totally was so Dave wrote a story talking about people with weirdly spelled names and he said that he knew a girl named Amy and Amy was spelled <laughs> A-Y-M-I and I said hey that sounds a lot like my name and Dave said no I really met a girl named Amy and it was like two years later that he finally confessed to me that nah he was writing about me it's true i felt like it had to it was a topic that had to be written about (laughs) my messed up name 
There's also <sighs> like like Kaylee can be spelled a shit ton of wrong ways. Uh, uh, other names I'm sure as well. Can How be. do you decide what the right way is though? Well, Kaylee, I feel like it's an obvious one. But like Jamie, it's tough because in the the middle the medieval times it was spelled differently than it, the normal way is now. See, I would have said it the other way, because, like, personally, I feel like if I just say my name to somebody, they're going to spell it J-A-M-I-E. But, like, if somebody said the name Kaylee to me, I'd probably spell it, like, K-A-Y-L-E-Y. Okay, see, now this is an interesting point of contention, because I was thinking K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. Yeah, I mean, that's more like Kaylee, or... Or what is the difference? <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> I don't know. Spelling. <laughs> Kaylee and Kaylee. Yeah, it's they're pronounced the same way, so I guess there's not really a difference. But that's what I mean. Is that like how do you decide what the normal way is? That's right. Well, now there's definitely is... variations of Jamie as there are of like Kaylee or like Caitlin. Caitlin kills oh, yeah. me. Caitlin, I think there's no. It's impossible. There's just. There's too many famous people with different versions of the name Caitlyn for there to be a right one. And I was thinking, the name, I think the name, uh, oh, no, fuck, now I'm forgetting it. Ah, uh, I don't, if there's a name out there, oh, Elizabeth. I think Elizabeth is the name that has the most nicknames that you can just make from the name. So you get, Probably. you get Liz, Lizzie, Beth, Betsy, Betts, Eliza, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure there are others as well, but I feel like this, that's the most, I think. Eliza, Liz, Lizzie, Beth, Bets, Betsy, that's six. Did I count Betty. Betty, Betty, good, good addition, that's seven. I don't think anything can top seven. Probably not. Like, William... I mean, like, you could, you could just, like, call people, like, letters of their name. True. Like, you could, I could call you, like, D. Like, hey, A, what's going on? But, like, I don't think that those really count as nicknames. I think I should thank... To every, anyone who's listening to this podcast who knew me back in grade school, you're welcome for not going by DJ. That would have just been <laughs> stupid. You never went Wait, by... Wait, what's your middle name? Why would you go by DJ? My middle name is Joseph. Oh, okay, that's why you'd go by DJ. Do you have a middle name? I do not have a middle name. Is Lynn, like, the de facto middle name? See, everybody says that, and it kind of annoys me, because, like, Lynn's my first name. I don't use it, but, like, you can't just, like, shove part of your name somewhere else. Who's getting rid of that hyphen? What what do you need the hyphen for? So, the hyphen was actually my dad's idea. He put the hyphen in my name because, um, apparently he knew from, like, birth that I was going to hate having an obscenely long name. So he's like, let's put the hyphen in so that she can just drop the Lynn when she doesn't like it. And sure enough, like, fifth grade rolled around, and I was like, I'm Jamie now. You just became a new identity. I did. Like a born identity. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, that's Jamie Souza. But it's weird, because, like, people who knew me, like, before fifth grade, like, mainly my family call me Jamie Lynn. So, like, my boyfriend, he actually just came to his first Christmas, like, at, with my extended family, and they were all calling me Jamie Lynn, and it was, like, so weird for him because, like, he's never met anybody that calls me that, like, unir- like unironically. It's, it's sort of like... So I think we should st- actually... I'm try- Okay, so I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, but I think there should be a new movement, and it should be to reverse your name because I mean you can call me Jamie Lynn if you want but I don't think it's going to catch on no I mean like reverse it completely where Lynn Jamie no everything (laughs) (laughs) I feel like hyphens are more common in last names so we should just switch it and Susan Jamie Lynn well I think that hyphens are more common in last names like if people got married and hyphenated their names like I feel like the hyphen in the last name is a choice Whereas, like, my hyphen was forced on me. What about something like, uh, Mackerel? I don't know. I kind of feel like the, I was thinking that, like, apostrophes are more common in last names. Because, like, all the Irish last names, like, O'Connor, like, those all have O'Malley. Apostrophes. Yeah. So 
So I think that, like, hyphens do occur in last names, obviously, but, like, I think that they're more rare. We should start getting semicolons into last names. <laughs> you can be, like, you can be the prototype on that. It'll be, like, M-E, semicolon, L-L-O. So do you think that would work, or would it have to be, like, using, like, a semicolon is supposed to be used, where you have two independent clauses that are being joined together? I mean, I feel like nobody has a last name that that's, like, that that's that long, so... That's true. I that's like want semicolons and last names. We gotta take what we can get here. Because you're getting into trouble with that sort of thing. Yeah. Alright, well, we have discussed this for almost 11 minutes. Long time. Yeah, it's been... It's been a minute. Um, so let's... Have I... I've introduced you, right? Yeah, we've talked about your name. You have. <laughs> Okay, your screen is unfrozen. I was stalling. Uh, we are doing top five characters from the American version of The Office. This is great. This is exciting because if you know me, you know that The Office is something that I hold nearer and dearer to my heart than... Well, uh, I'll, say, I'll say anything. Um, it's my favorite show. It's perfect, and I love it. You love the you love it as well. I know that. That's why I asked you I, about it. I'm like not quite as much of a super fan as you. Like I know that you can list like all the episodes in order. I'm like not quite there yet, but I do. I do like the office. It's it's honestly like like what's not to love? It's perfect. All right. So do you want to start, or do you want me to start? I'll start because that way it ends with you, and it's like a big uh, climactic finish. Okay. All right, so my number five pick, and I've told this to people before. I know it's a bit controversial. Uh, I went at number five. I did somebody who hasn't even who wasn't not even part of the show for the whole run of it. I picked. Actually, I have a lot of people that weren't part of the whole thing, but that's beside the point. Andy Bernard is my number five pick because I know this is very controversial, and I know a lot of people have problems with the way that Andy's character finished his run on on the show and the way he started his run on the show. But I think the Andy from when he returns from anger management and the Andy to when he goes on the retreat halfway through, uh, like during the middle of seasons eight and season nine, that Andy, the way he's just like in the background, he just, he'll just like throw out a line that really doesn't have much to do with anything, but he's just got a, he's always got a joke. He's wearing like blue pants, red pants with little navy blue anchors. He's constantly singing. He, every now and then he'll have a, a B or C plot in the story. Andy Bernard, I and I also, I think I have to include him because I think I, I would like to say that I relate to Jim the most on The Office, but I know that I'm more like Andy, because, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I, try too hard with everything, and with everyone. I like wearing colored pants, and I like to sing. He can. He's obviously a good singer, and I am not. But, Andy Bernard, I feel is my he. Is the spirit animal that I have, if not the spirit animal that I would want? I I do. I like Andy. I think that Andy is just kind of like he's just off the wall. But do you do you talk about your school as much as Andy talks about Cornell? No, I. He was very involved with uh, the extracurricular programs at Cornell. I tend to do my own thing. I have like I have people that I know, but they're also not really into UMass as like a. A concept so I keep it low key I'm never gonna be the guy who's like go Minutemen I'm gonna go to the football game this weekend that's I don't even go to them now <laughs> I think like the most iconic Andy moment for me was definitely during the um the CPR scene when um <laughs> they're doing like when they, they actually when they do teach CPR like even in real life they do teach it to the beat of staying alive and he just, like, starts singing, and all of a sudden, they're at the entire office is singing, but they don't really know the words, so they're like, stay alive. And it's just, oh, wait, oops, we can get sued for me singing, never mind. Um, yeah, Barry Gibbs gonna get pissed. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, I just love that whole scene, and I think that Andy, like, really makes that scene. And, like, when I was getting my CPR certification... Um, one of my friends actually brought up that scene and I just lost it. Like I could not focus on anything for the rest of it because <laughs> all I could think about is um, Michael being really bad at CPR 
Andy singing and Dwight cutting off the mannequin's face. Like, that's it. That's all I could think about. With He cuts it off just like your favorite movie. That is. My favorite movie is Silence of the Lambs. So and Ke- Kelly gets up and starts dancing. <laughs> all right. So coming in at number five for me was Creed, which is very, it's a very weird choice. But he's just kind of like the creepy, murderous uncle that we all know and that we all really don't love. Like, if I met Creed in real life, I'd probably call the cops. And I think, like, the moment that, like, really sticks out to me was the one where he's wearing, like, the bloody shirt on Halloween. He's like, oh, I didn't know it was Halloween. Like, hmm, that was lucky. Like, I don't know what he was planning on telling everyone. Like, if it wasn't Halloween. Because it was, he couldn't say, like, oh, I just spilled something on my shirt. Like, it was very clearly blood spatter. Like, was he just going to, like, kill all of them, too? Because, like, now they were witnesses? Like, did Halloween prevent a The Office massacre? These are very good questions. uh, Creed is probably, I'd say, like, pound for pound, line for line, the funniest character. I don't think there's ever a line where he's not funny. Oh, he's, like, 100% one of the characters put in there for, like, just comic relief. Oh, absolutely. He was a... I think the best scene with Creed is, like, when uh, they're all on the work bus, and they're going to get pies, and Creed is hitchhiking, and he gets on the bus, and he's like, oh, I'm playing a little hooky from work today, and everyone (laughs) from where he works is on the bus, just thinking about, like, the one time that they leave the office is the one time that he is hitchhiking and skipping work, and he gets on the bus and just, I just, it's, uh, this, putting yourself in Creed's shoes is just the funniest thing. Can you imagine how disorienting that must be? Like, I think that I'd be like, am I, am I dead? Like, is, is this a dream? Because, like, just walking on, like, the odds of that happening, and like, obviously it's a fictional TV show, but, like, the odds of that happening are, like, it's got to be beyond one in a million. Like, that's, like, the ultimate coincidence. And it's one of those things, like, as somebody who likes to, who likes to think that he likes to write comedy... I would, if I was writing that episode, Creed would be on the bus in the beginning because I'd put the whole office there. I wouldn't even think to have somebody hitchhike get on the bus. And, it's just, it's just, I am very envious of the writing. It is perfect. I also, I think that Creed really makes a statement in the first episode where, like, Michael tries to fire him and he's basically just like, no, fire him instead. And then, like, Creed's <laughs> around for, like, the rest of the show it's until, great. you know, gets arrested. I know there's a lot Although, of... No, he's arrested. He goes missing. Right. He he goes undercover, or like no, he goes on the lamb, and uh, eventually is found to be living in the bathroom. <laughs> it's uh, Creed. Like I know, uh, he plays himself. I'm pretty sure he's just playing a version of himself because they mentioned that he was in a band called the Grassroots, and uh, I know he just like showed up or something on the set of The Office, and Greg Daniels was like. I think you're a really funny guy, and I want to find a place for you. I just don't know what that place would be. So Creed had this whole backstory where he just, like, woke up in a dumpster and waltzed in and got a job as the quality assurance rep. And they just, he just ended up being a part of the show, and it was amazing. Can you imagine if it was that easy to get jobs? Like, you just wake up in a dumpster one day and, like, waltz in, and it's like, hey, here's your career. Judging by a lot of the people at Thunder Mifflin, it might be that easy in their universe. That being said, another employee of Dunder Mifflin who comes in at number four for this guy, I have the customer service representative, the very funny Kelly Kapoor. And I know that if you're listening to this, you're probably groaning right now because I doubt many people have Kelly in their top five and you're like, oh, just Dave being a biased Mindy Kaling homer. He just loves Mindy Kaling. And that's like 70% of it. It's, it's, It's a lot of it. But like re when I like I'm when I'm like eighth or ninth rewatch of the show and just like what like just like, by at that point you know the beats of the show and you can appreciate it for that I look for, I go deeper and I look for like the way that the characters are written and Kelly is written perfectly she is so funny and I don't know if you saw this but today our uh, our glorious uh president tweeted that he was uh. A very he's like I'm very smart and uh he's a, like an able person something like something along those lines and Mindy Kaling responded with uh the the gif of Kelly Kapoor saying guys I'm like really smart now like you don't even know I could just say blah 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 giving you the exact right answer and 
just watching that, it's like that the appreciation for Kelly's character. It's so she's so funny. I love Kelly. She is the best. I think oh, I think that that's like the fact that that's the state our American politics have gone to that like somebody can tweet something like that at our president and have it be like it like relates. It's like really sad. But I think that's a podcast for another time. <laughs> I just I think Kelly. I don't. I know a lot of people like hate Kelly and I don't hate her. I just think she's cracked out of her goddamn mind. And it's the (laughs) funniest thing. Like her relationship with Ryan is like, it's literally the epitome of like overly attached girlfriend. Like, it's just, that's the relationship. It's just that trope. Like when she tells him that she's pregnant and then looks at the camera and shakes her head, like iconic. And when she's like, like hugging Ryan, like, Oh, I can't wait to have babies. One day. Oh, it's, she's so funny. Yeah. All right. So coming in at number four for me is Angela. Um, I know it's another weird pick. I kind of just feel like this whole top five list is kind of weird. And it's like, she's just this crazy, judgmental cat lady, like trying to make her way in the world. And I think that like, that's probably relatable to a lot of people because I think that like loving cats more than you love people is like very acceptable. And she just has, like, the worst luck in the world. Like, the time that Dwight killed her cat and put it in a freezer. And also, like, her whole storyline with Robert Lipton is just, uh, it's, like, tragic, but it's so funny. Like, she manages to fall in love with, I don't want to say, like, she falls in love with him because she's more, like, in love with, like, the status that he brings. But, like, only to have, and, like, she falls in love with the senator, only to have him cheat on her with Oscar. And it's just so ironic because her life spirals and she ends up doing things that, like, she would judge other people for doing. And, like, I just think that that did help her grow as a character. And I'd probably also, like, include Dwight with her here because, like, they're just such, like, quirky people. But they work together so well. And I think that, like, their writers use Dwight's relationship with Angela to show, like, a softer side to him and to make him more dynamic. And I don't think that that really would have been possible without her. That was a good point at the end there because I was like Angela, top five Angela ah, cats. There's that's not a good reason, but I love her. Yeah, <laughs> she does bring out the best in Dwight, and and honestly, like it's top five office characters. Like how worked up can I really get about like the placement? It's all just gonna be like oh, good pick, Jamie. Good pick. Yes, great, excellent pick. <laughs> that's all. That's all it is. It's all good choices. There's no bad choices. There's no wrong choices. There's no losers here. Angela's great. Is that your way of, like, trying to convince yourself not to yell at me for putting Angela in my top five? No, because, like, she'll never be in my top five, but I, like, it's, like, if you take Angela out of the office, it's not the same show. Like, you need every piece, and she's not my favorite piece. She's, like, it's like you picked, if you're doing top five pieces of the car, like, a car, you pick the door handle, and, like, it's fine. It's, like, you need a door handle, but it's not, like, it's not exciting, but it's, like, (laughs) fine. And you need it to run the car, and... Honestly, like, there's only so much that you can actually hate a door handle, so it's fine. Uh, that was, like, a very subtle shade you had going there. Yeah, but no. I think, so I think that the, um, the scene that I think of with Angela is the one where Dwight locks them all in and starts the fire, and she throws, like, so Oscar climbs up through the drop ceiling, and he's like, no, like, you weigh too much. And she's like, I only weigh 86 pounds. We'll save Bandit. And she throws her cat up, only to have the cat fall back down through the drop ceiling. And that entire scene is just so chaotic. And I love it. And I, I really do. I love Angela. That's like the, the scene you mentioned earlier. I think it's actually the same episode when they're having the, the safety meeting and uh, Michael's doing the dummy and Andy's singing and all that. They, they work that scene around where, like, everyone gets a line, everyone gets a moment to be funny during that scene. But they do the same thing earlier in that scene that you just mentioned, where they're all panicking because Dwight locked them in and set the place on fire. And they're, like, they do the same thing where everyone gets a time to be funny, but they do it in, like, such rapid succession that it's just, like, they're just, like, here's, here's how good we are at writing these characters and we're just going to keep doing circles around you and you won't be able to realize it until your eighth watch of this show. And it's, like, the first time you see it, those are the scenes that you're just, like, you just can't stop laughing at. (laughs) You can't do anything besides just, like, cry from laughter because you don't have time to, like, process it. So you're just laughing the entire time. Like Michael throwing the the chair at the window. 
Because that's what he, like, learned when he was in, like, second grade or something, is that you throw furniture out the window. So he's just, like, just throwing the chair and it just bounces off the window. He's just like, help! Oh, oh it yeah. kills me. And then, yeah, and then after that, that's when, yeah, I think it, it, it is the same episode because Stanley has his heart attack because <laughs> of the fire and they learn CPR because of Stanley's heart attack, right? Right, yes. All right, there we go. See, we're, we're making connections She's like here. like, shoving the wallet down Stanley's mouth. He's like, you will not touch Stanley. Oh, it's it's so good. Okay. So, my, we're at, this is number three, right? Yeah. Yeah. My number three character in this top five is somebody who I think, I'm going to say that she has the best character arc on the show in terms of the way that she is sort of like lost at the beginning and slowly gains more and more confidence and takes over to completely owns season three, which I think is the best season of the office completely owns it. And then becomes very funny, very much, very much in a mom sense of humor. And she becomes somebody who wants to support Jim, but loves what they created together and it's hard to let go because Pam Beasley is like she's sort of dorky but very endearing and you're just I feel like you root for Jim because it's Jim and Pam they're the love story but I'm I found myself rooting for Pam to find happiness whether it was Jim or not and let's be honest it was Jim but I was just rooting for her the whole time and all the way up until the end I was just I wanted her to be happy even more than I wanted Jim to be happy. And I know he's like, like as Andy would say, big tune is a super ambitious guy, but I was just rooting for Pam to the very, to the very end. I love Pam. Yeah, no, I love Pam too. Pam is definitely the character that I relate to the most out of like any of the characters, because like, I think that like a big thing for the office is that like a lot of the characters are like, they're all very like believable, even if like some of them are exaggerated, like, I think that we all know a guy like Todd Packer, who's kind of a tool, and, like, Todd Packer is definitely, like, the static version of that person, but, like, I don't know, I think that we can look at every single character from The Office and say, like, yeah, I know a person like that, and I think that when I look at Pam, I see myself, so, like, I just, I love Pam. Bit of a humble brag there. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's true, because it is a workplace comedy. And it's about a workplace, so you have to have people who look the way that the people on the office do, because that's the way it looks realistic. Pam obviously transcends that. Jim transcends it. Jim is very, very attractive. Uh, but, but yeah, Pam is just... I feel like everyone knows somebody like Pam, too. Like, this really ambitious, down-to-earth, as, like, simultaneously down-to-earth and ambitious, and she just is herself but in a way that she had to learn how to be that unabashedly and it's what makes her so great that scene on the beach when she walks over the coals is great and finally gains confidence tells jim off like and tells them all off for not going to the art show and then it's like obviously like it ends with michael saying i'm still looking for somebody with a sales background because he can only look through the lens of everyone wants to be the manager but that's not what Pam wanted. Pam just wanted to be happy. So, um, number three is where my list gets a little less controversial than Creed and Angela. Wonky. Um, yeah, wonky. It gets a little <laughs> less wonky. Um, so, my number three is Michael. Because even though he's not the most rational person, like he really cares for his employees. And he's willing to go to bat for them. And that's like very touching. And I think that the show definitely went downhill after he left because he just added so much comedic value. And, like, I think that, like, it was definitely saved by characters like Stanley and Dwight being able to fill, like, some of those shoes comically. But, like, Michael definitely left a big gap. Like, I don't think that other any other character in the show could grill their foot in a George Foreman grill. Like, that's just, uh, that's just so iconic. Because it's just, that's just so far-fetched. But with the way that Michael's character is written, you're like, yeah, that would happen to Michael. 
Michael is a, he's a great choice. Um, I grew up in a household that hated Michael, so I always thought that even though he was the main character, I was supposed to not like him. And over time, as I learned to think for myself, I realized Michael is amazing. He is. He's such a strong character because the way they start him out, like it's very much like a carbon copy of David Brent on The British Office. Yeah. And there's not really much to redeem, but the episode when uh, it's like take your daughter to work day, and they have it where Michael, they're watching that old clip of his time when he was a kid on that children's show, and he's like, I want to have, I want to get married and have a hundred kids, so that way I can have a hundred friends and nobody can say no to being my friend. It it's like such a lens into this aching vulnerability that Michael has, where he just needs to be. <clears throat> he needs to be liked, and that play, uh, obviously plays into a lot of the comedy that comes with Michael, but uh, he's very well-written. He's probably the the most well-written character, and it's hard not to be when you're the main character, because just so many of the lines, like, even in daily life, sometimes I'll hear somebody say something like, that could be what Michael Scott would say. And I know Mindy Kaling is, and Big J Novak, they've both tweeted numerous times about how they wish that they could write different things for Michael still, because he's so interesting of a character that it really opens you up into that being able to write for him in that way and it really helps you I don't know that just he's a great he's one of the great comic creations and Steve Carell just plays him to perfection yeah and I think that like because he has such a history of being so like he's just sad and like vulnerable and he kind of like masks that that when you watch him go through all these like failed attempts at happiness with like all these like different women and stuff like that that when he finally ends up with like his family and um when he's showing them all the pictures on his phone and he had to get a second phone because he was taking so many pictures of his kids it's just it's so satisfying just to see him so happy i'm just smiling now uh <laughs> what a moment oh it's a great pick for my number two i had i'm blinking oh for my number two pick, I had, of course, I had Ryan Howard. He, I, I go to bat for Ryan. I honestly, I, I go to bat for Ryan. He, he, so many people hate Ryan. So many people hate him because they think that a character can't be good just because the character is annoying and you wouldn't want to know that character in real life. But ah, no, nay, nay, I say you, these are the characters that you know, if you don't like them, that means it's, he's doing his job and he is perfectly well-written I think Ryan is so, so, so well-written because he, every little line he has, it's not outwardly funny. It's so subtly funny. And that's completely BJ Novak's sense of humor, completely that sensibility. And this, like, this, this journey, this journey that he goes on from this ambitious, business-minded, gonna take over the business world, gonna learn everything, temp, to this coked-out, New York executive to back to being a temp, back to the bowling alley, lying about Thailand, and then coming back and just being like the office hipster who shows up at 10, doesn't work for anything, he just focuses on woof, and then he sells woof and screws Michael over. He is so perfect, and when, uh, just everything that he does, like when he feeds his child a strawberry because he's allergic, and he just wants, because he just wants to talk to Kelly, and then abandons the kid, it's so Ryan it's Ryan is amazing and I'm just uh, you can't see it it's a podcast it's an audio medium but I'm like holding my head right now because I'm like I didn't expect this because I was like I can talk about Ryan but now I'm freaking out about Ryan because Ryan is amazing he's so funny I love Ryan Ryan's number two Ryan's Ryan's hilarious like when I think of Ryan I think of him his list of like all the people who have wronged him (laughs) and um was it Jim that said something to him? And then it just like pan- the camera just pans to him <laughs> writing in um writing in the book, and then he just like looks dead into the camera. I love that, and I love that that's become like that that's just gone viral. Like everybody uses that as a reaction gif, and I just I love it. Like that is, uh, or like the end when um Ryan and Kelly like Ryan's trying to get back with Kelly, and Kelly's like. I'm married to a doctor. I'm happy now. And then the camera pans to them making out. Like, <laughs> oh, that is just, oh, I love it. I really, I don't really don't hate Ryan. Like, I do think that he's annoying, but like, I like him despite that because like, I understand that he's a well-written character and that 
like he's just he's supposed to have that insane arc of like <laughs> from the bottom to the top back to the bottom i like to think that that was bj novak's plan all along he uh <laughs> i think the best ryan scene i think is probably after jim just moves him into the that closet in the break room and that's where he works and uh uh what is it oh when jim is like joking around about choosing the new manager <sighs> And he's like, I might just pick a name out of the hat at the end of the day. And Stanley's like, the hell you will. And starts going off on Jim. And then Stanley leaves. And then he's just alone with Ryan. And Ryan's in his closet. And he's like holding the doorknob. And he's like, maybe try taking a break from the whole Jim shtick for a while. You might like what you find, James. And then he just closes the door. But he's still in the broom closet. And Jim's like, what the fuck is going on? That Ryan's, he's just being in the closet. And uh, Ryan, uh, I can't say enough about it. I've... I love it too much. I feel like if we keep talking about him, you're going to start crying. <laughs> so, it's so perfectly uh, realized. All right, what is your number two pick? My number two pick is Pam. And we already talked about this a little bit, but it's because I just, I really relate to her. And like, she's just, she's just so real. Like you talked about it earlier, the scene where Oscar um, and his partner are like the only ones to come to her art show and they criticize her. And then, like, Michael shows up and buys her painting, and she's just tearing up. And, like, I can just, like, feel the roller coaster of emotion that she goes through. And I think that, like, I definitely relate more to, like, Pam in the beginning when she's kind of, like, I don't want to say shy because I'm definitely not shy. But she's just kind of, like, I don't, like, the nerdy girl in the corner of the office that, like, does her job. Mild-mannered. Yeah, mild-mannered. I just, I don't know. I just, I really like Pam. I think that... Pam's whole development just I I agree with you I really rooted for Pam throughout the entire thing and I think that it was written so that Jim would be was supposed to be the one that you were rooting for but I think I just ended up rooting for Pam a lot of people say that Jim and Pam are the heart of the office where like like sure you have Michael and his vulnerability as we talked about and Dwight and his just his aching ambition and Jim and Pam their relationship was like the heart of the show but I think like, if you get really down to the core of it, the real beating heart of The Office was Pam in the, in the way that The Office itself, as an actual like workplace, she was the heart of. And as a show, I think she was just really... She represented what was so great about it. Yeah. Whenever I read things about, like, The Office, a lot of people refer to Pam as, like, kind of, like, the glue that binds everybody together because like for the most part like everybody likes Pam and even like the people who don't like Pam like she's there for them like she just has a really big heart and I just I just love Pam like I just always go back to the scene with um her art show and it's just so heartbreaking because she worked for so long for that and then I think it also really shows Michael's heart because like he comes and he validates her which, like, I think she definitely needed, like, really badly, especially especially after being trashed by Oscar and his partner. And that, oh, that scene is just heart-wrenching. It's so, it's one of the best examples of character development in a comedy. Mm. It's really well done. And I always go, for Pam, I always go back to, it's actually in the finale when she's, she after she watched the documentary, and she said that she had to stop watching it because she was getting so mad at her younger version. She was like, go after what you want and life just isn't that long and I want all the young girls out there to realize this and learn from my mistakes and I'm getting choked up now just talking about it and it's really it's really nice see I know that it's like a fiction and a comedy but that's like genuinely good advice like I really hope that in I don't know however many years from now I can just look back on my young. Like, I hope that I want to I've grown so much but I can like look back on my younger self and be frustrated with the decisions that I've made because like I don't think that that necessarily means that I was making bad decisions at the time but I think that it means that I've grown to the point where I can make more matured decisions so I just I don't know I think that's really good advice the fact that you can grow it all to a point where you can realize what you would have done differently says enough about it, I think, mm. that you've gotten to that point. Well, my getting choked up isn't going to stop anytime soon because my number one pick, I have the counterpart to Pam, Jim Halpert. Uh, Jim 
as I rewatch the show, I'm not as in love with Jim as I was when I was a kid. I was like obsessed with him. I wanted to be him. You know, like I would play pranks on Mr. Cleveland. I wanted to be Jim and I like when when I first watched the show, everything about it, I was like, I love Jim, I love Jim, I love Jim, I love Jim. Everything is Jim. It's all Jim. He's so great. Because he's just so cool and funny and sarcastic and confident and he didn't care about the rest of the office. He just But he's also this like this hopeless romantic and he has another great character arc and I know it's probably very popular on the internet, the side by side image of the pilot episode when he says that he's like, There's nothing here for me. I have no future here and then the of course the the final couple seasons when he's with Pam and Philip and Cece and he's he had a family and he knows like he says it in the finale he's like this I owe everything that I have to this boring amazing job and he is always somebody who I strove like he was like a role model for me like in a twisted sense where like I was looking up to this fictional TV character but he's such a part of I feel like even though it's not great to just try to be exactly like somebody. And I feel like I've moved away from that as I've gotten older. But I think a part of Jim is still in me just because of that influence. And because of that, it's hard to pick any other character for number one for me. See, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing that like using Jim as a role model, like there are definitely worse people to use as a role model. <laughs> um, Jim is actually my number one too. Hey, um, synergy. Not just, not just because, um, his pranks on Dwight absolutely kill me. Like, I just, I love them so much. And um, also because I, I really relate to Pam and, like, Jim was written so that, like, people who relate to Pam would, like, fall in love with him. And I just, I love him. Like, not just because he's John Krasinski, but, like, he's also a good guy. But he's not, like, a boring good guy. I think that a lot of times, and, like, especially in comedies, like, the good guy ends up being just like he's just so drab and like there's nothing interesting about him and I, I kind of feel like my top two being Jim and Pam sound lame but like I really enjoy that their love story like so much else of The Office felt just authentic it wasn't like some far-fetched uh, Hallmark movie it's probably the greatest love story ever told yeah <laughs> putting like all the other love stories to Shane like and what you, like you said, uh, I think a lot of the things that went towards making him not just the boring good guy was that they showed that sometimes he was flawed. Mm. And it was hard to watch in the moment. You don't want to see Jim make mistakes and be cringy, but it was ultimately good because it really helped humanize him. And it showed that he wasn't perfect, but he was cool despite that. And I think that was the key to Jim. Yeah. Also, who says that their type is moms? Like, I just, I see that, like, photo set <laughs> going around every once in a while. That's, like, they're, um, they ask, like, what, what his type is. And he's, like, mainly moms, you know, NASCAR moms, soccer moms. <laughs> and Kev's, like, better stay away from my mom, Jim. And Jim goes, too late, Kev. That just, <laughs> that just kills me every time. He's so quick. Yeah, he's very clever. He, uh, uh, just... Like, um, when he, Dwight says, how's your daughter doing? What's her name again? Pee-pee? And he's like, Peepo, actually. <laughs> uh, um, he's great. We could, yeah. I think, I feel like we could fawn about Jim forever. <laughs> yeah, I probably will. <laughs> uh, I'll go to my grave adoring Jim Halpert. What's your favorite prank that Jim pulled on Dwight? Ooh, okay, so I don't know if I was prepared to answer this today. Oh, boy. Favorite prank. Do you want me to answer first to give you time to think about it? Please do. Okay, so I think that my favorite is the time that um, they replaced Jim with Asian Jim. <laughs> and they, and Dwight's like, no, you're not Jim. And then he, like, grabs the picture and um, he turns it around and it's, Asian Jim and Pam with two Asian children and like Pam comes over kisses him like it's nothing like I just I just think that that's so funny because like can you imagine being Dwight in that moment I feel like that's almost as disorienting as hitchhiking 
walking onto a bus and seeing <laughs> it's all of your it's basically your office like the office that you're skipping out on like Creed did like that's just gonna be so confusing because you know that that's <laughs> not right but there is no way for you to prove that that's not right and no one is helping you I think there's a lot of there's a lot of really good gym pranks on Dwight like the stapler and jello obviously like if if I ever get an office tattoo it just might be that um the Asian gym is great uh, the obviously when he dresses up as Dwight is iconic, but I think low key like like I think my favorite the best one I think is when he pays everyone five dollars to call him Dwayne for the day, but we don't see that. So the one I have to pick is my f- favorite probably is the one where uh there's a bat in the ceiling, and Jim just immediately he just knows like yep I'm gonna pretend to be a vampire because <laughs> he knows Dwight's gonna believe it. And he knows, he knows Dwight's going to be all in on it. And he just immediately starts pretending to be a vampire. And he's like, and he like when he's like leaving for the day, he like puts his coat up and he's like, bye, Dwight. <laughs> it's like, it's so, uh, it's really, it's really probably. Non-nonsense. And he just like buys stuff like that. And it's hilarious. Like also another good one is um how Dwight stole some of, no, how Jim stole some of Dwight's um copy paper and he faxes him, like, memos, like, they're from him in the future. <laughs> future Dwight. And Dwight just buys it. <laughs> He's very gullible. Like, uh, when they, when Oscar comes out and they're, like, asking about Gaydar, and Jim just decides to send them, like, <laughs> an actual piece of Gaydar. It's like, it's just, the, he just, uh, <laughs> it's so funny. I, I like the, like, development between... Dwight and Jim too because at the beginning because I rooted for Jim and also for Pam so hard and like Dwight spent so much time trying to sabotage Jim he just drove me crazy in the beginning but eventually like like especially like, Dwight becomes friends with Pam first but eventually like he gets on good terms with Jim and like they still mess with each other and stuff like that but like in like the final scene when they're leaving and he's like and he like Dwight says that he's gonna fire them instead of them quitting, and they're thinking like, "Oh, come on, Dwight, don't be like this." He instead he just um, it's so that he can give them like a really good severance package, and I just I think that like the fact that he's willing to do that for them and stuff like that just really shows like the growth between Jim and Dwight, and I just I don't know I just loved it. Like for most of the finale, I was keeping myself together emotionally. Like the I had broken down a little bit when. Everyone is chanting "Rooted did to do" at Andy, that got mm-hmm. me, and I the Mike Michael coming back to the wedding obviously got me, but, and I was holding it together towards the end, even though Pam had that really nice quote and Jim had the really nice quote, but then when Dwight said, "Jim, my top salesman Jim Halpert was best man at my wedding, and Pamela Beasley Halpert is my best friend," and I was gone the rest of the night. I was ruined. That was it. That did me in because Dwight isn't we didn't he's not on our top five, but he's another one with great character development. Yeah. I think that I would have definitely ranked Dwight higher if it wasn't for those, like, first few seasons where, like, he was trying to sabotage um, Jim. Right. Just because, like, Jim was our number one. So, like, I couldn't couldn't fully root for Dwight until he got over that. But, yeah. Should, th- should this be the time I tell you that um, the guy who plays Moe's on The Office, Michael Schur, retweeted me today? He did? Yeah. For a second, I thought you were going to be like, should this be the time I tell you that, like, this actually hasn't been recording the entire time? And I was like, oh. <laughs> but, oh, that's so exciting. What did he retweet? So, okay, so Michael Schur, for those of you who don't know, played Moe's. He also was a writer on The Office. He created Parks and Recreation. He co-created Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He co-created Master of None. And he created The Good Place. And he also is on a, a podcast called The Pause cast with a baseball writer Joe Paz Nansky and they talk about baseball they talk about uh how hot fruit is terrible all these sorts of things and I really love the podcast so I made a database for every single episode of it and just like every single detail from it and I tweeted it at him and Joe Paz Nansky Joe Paz Nansky quoted the tweet and said this is just I don't know what to say and Michael Scher retweeted me I think I would have cried. I actually didn't know that he co-created, um, that he created, like, 
Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like I love both of those shows. Oh, I, I, he's probably the I'm best showrunner ever. That. He's that's a, like all of these shows that he's made are just phenomenal. Yeah, I found the tweet. <laughs> it's his his Twitter name is Ken Tremendous. That's oh, that's such an iconic name. I think you should change yours to Dave Tremendous. Would that? I feel like that would be a ripoff. Yeah, probably. I think Dave is mellow is more your brand. You're welcome. I just plugged your Twitter for you. Thank you. That's plug number two. I always go for if I need an alias, I go for uh oh uh Jeff Ross Tober. That's usually the alias that I go for. I have another alias, but I it might be used for salacious activity, so I'm not gonna give it out here. Why do you have aliases? If you ever need I, to give a fake name. I'm really concerned. Like, what are you doing <laughs> that you need to give people fake names? Like, oh. are you a 20-something-year-old woman in a bar being approached by creepy guys? No, it's just, like, the usual things, you know, like, one-on-one basketball, uh, drug deals, uh, murder, uh, that, 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 you know, that, that sort of thing. Wait, is Dave Mello your other? Is that your other alias is that why you won't tell me yeah actually uh dave mellow is is a fake name that i had to use after i was um released by uh the pack of wolves that raised me i figured remember because i said i was hatched yeah it's actually people don't know this this first year that i didn't call your birthday or hatching day i think i forgot people don't know that wolves lay eggs I was going to go with it and just hope that you weren't going to point it out because I didn't know if you realized the mistake <laughs> you just made. <laughs> okay, so do you have do you have any honor, any honorable mentions for I I do. I my well my first honorable mention was Dwight and like we already talked about yeah. that. I definitely would have ranked him higher if he wasn't trying to sabotage Jim for most of the show. Right. Just because like I just like, what you were saying with Angela is how, like, The Office wouldn't be the same without Angela. The Office definitely would not be the same without Dwight. Like, he just served such a big role in it. Very true. Is he your only honorable mention? No, okay, my other one was Kevin, because he makes me feel better about myself. Kevin's like, very good. Like, from Parks and Rec. Like, when I look at Kevin, <laughs> sometimes I think, you know, I'm a hot mess. But other people, you know, other people are too. Like, when he dropped his chili all over the floor, and then he's, like, falling in it, it was really bad, but all I could think is, like, you know, Kev, we've all had those days. Like, I get it. And he was just, like, such a consistent laugh, even if that, like, that laugh normally came with a cringe. Kevin is... I think he's... If I had to pick, like, a supporting character who is most beloved by the mainstream, it'd be Kevin. And... In a way that kind of, like, because Kevin, at first he was just, like, kind of slow, but sweet, and and over time he just became, like, an, like an absolute moron. And, like, it, it's, it's, it's whatever, like, it's not how I would have written it, but it still was very funny. He was a very funny character, and I think it was probably the chili scene that marked the transition, but the chili scene is iconic, so can you really fault them? I don't think you can. Uh, the only other honorable mention I could think of would be Daryl, because I think that Daryl is, like, hands down the wittiest character on the show, and, like, he just does not take shit from other people, and also his jingles are super catchy. <laughs> like, when the, they write, when they do the theme song for the commercial, his theme song yeah. is really good. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, super catchy, like, I would, it's a bop, I would jam to that. And Michael, like, shut it down, it's like, no, this is, like, an actual, like, this is, like, an actually really good song. Um, right, what about you? Yeah, and I think Dwight and Michael first come to mind for me for honorable mentions. Uh, okay. Obviously, they're great. Um, Daryl's re- he has a really good character arc. I'm a big fan of Daryl's. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I like Stanley because he's so grumpy all the time. But there, when when the moments come where he's actually happy about something or like supportive of someone, it's like an amazing moment. You're like, oh my god, this feels so cool. Uh, Gabe would be another one, and I know, I've heard it all, I've heard it all about Gabe, he's very funny, 
I don't. I know he's creepy and he's weird. He's very funny. Actually, another one of my honorable mentions would be Aaron. Aaron. I Aaron. I was just about to get to Aaron. Aaron's great. She's so fun and bubbly. David is so creepy. He is creepy, but he's it's very funny. So funny. But he's so creepy. Like I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's the guy in like a sitcom who would like. Like, he'd just disappear, and then one day, like, the characters would mention him in passing that he, like, committed a mass murder and is now in jail. Like, that's him. He's he's excellent, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Uh, not related to The Office, but I wrote... I haven't written about sports in years. I wrote about the New England Patriots today because there was an article from ESPN about Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and Robert Kraft, and apparently they're they're in a bit of a feud. They're they're fighting according to ESPN. Uh, I wrote about that because I really wanted to. Uh, it was a good article. I read it. Thank you. See, that's uh, recommendation number one. I posted it on Facebook. It's also on Medium on my just my whatever's come to mind thoughts blog called uh, Shersha Ronan deserves an Oscar. Uh, anything you'd like to plug, Jamie? Um, I mean, I haven't really been doing much in my, um, break from college, so I'm just going to read, um, my favorite line from your article. So in this paragraph, Dave's talking about how when Brady yells at other coaches or other players and stuff like that, it's really because he's frustrated with himself. And Dave wrote, you can tell because Gronk gets all worried and retreats, retreats to the warm embrace of Donta Hyden. Uh, I can't read. <laughs> Hightower, who explains to Gronk that Tom still loves him and everything's going to be okay. That's just, I don't know. I just actually laughed out loud when I read that. That was because... honestly my first thought when this article happened was somebody needs to tell Gronk it's going to be okay. Somebody needs to get to him. He's not going to understand what the article is saying. Did you tweet him and tell him that everything was going to be okay? I didn't want him to come beat me up. <laughs> well, that's, that was a rare double plug for this guy. I read that article too, and I thought that that article was, like, really sensationalized to, like, just reading it. Like, as somebody who, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything about football. Like, obviously I'm a Patriots fan because I live in Massachusetts. But, like, I'm more of a hockey girl myself. But, like, I just, I read the article because, like, everybody was freaking out about it and just like as somebody who understands rhetoric it just i don't know it was just very sensationalized and i read things and i was like that doesn't sound plausible right okay so that's what that was my big takeaway too is that like so i i have i have a couple friends at uh at umass who there's this okay there's a sports writer named bill simmons who i love He's definitely a Boston biased sports fan, and that might be probably why I love him. And my friends at UMass do not like Boston sports at all. They hate me for liking the Patriots. They love the Yankees, and I am I hate the Yankees, so that's a whole thing. So they hate Bill Simmons. And so anything that happens Boston-related, they immediately shit on it. They're like, ah, suck on that, Bill and Dave. And so this article happens, and everyone's like, oh, this is, like, really informative, and this is really cool. And, like, what you just said, like, you, like, the rhetoric of it, like, I was reading it, I was like, I was like, something about this is not, like, like, this isn't really that well written, it really feels like there's a lot of conclusions being drawn, there's not, it's, there were, there were some fact-based things, and I think some of it was true, but a lot of it seemed like he was trying to put things together, and what you just said, the rhetoric, if any of you at UMass are listening to this, that's what I meant, it's the writing of the article, I don't know if it's true or not, it's the writing that got me, thank you, Jamie, Ugh. I got you. <laughs> okay. I, I wanted to let you know that you just got so riled up that my dog's been sleeping on my bed, and he just, like, looked up and looked at the computer like, why is the angry man in there? But was, then he laid back down, so we're good. Was it Onyx, uh, Onyx or Barkamedes? It was Onyx. This, those are two great names for dogs. If they you, are. If you listeners don't know that. Feel free. If you guys use either of those names you got to credit me though like i'm taking royalties on that yeah definitely have a works cited page attached to your dog at all times yeah 
just engrave it on their tags. Like I won't, I won't make you staple paper to your dog because I'm against animal cruelty. Yeah, if you staple paper to your dog, don't start like saying that it was this podcast. I don't want to deal with that. Obviously, obviously, don't staple paper to your dog. You, you absolute so if you fool. Your dog, I'm taking your dog. It's my dog now. Yeah, and its like, name is Barbies Junior. Just relax out there, everyone, with your staplers. <laughs> Speaking of staplers, The Office. This was a good podcast. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Jamie. Thanks for having me, Dave Mello. I'll come back anytime. Recurring guest. Woo! <laughs>